0: Welcome back to Settlement Nation Podcast, brought to you by the only plan of focus structured settlement company, Independent Life. Now, we are very excited today because we are chatting with a guest that is kind of a big deal. Robert Simon, the founder of the Simon Law Group, and also known as the Justice Team. Now, Robert has an extensive resume of jury trials in his career, having tried over 50 cases, which it does say he won 47, and it's probably more by now, are recovering tens of millions of dollars in verdicts and settlements for his clients. He has received numerous awards, including Trial Lawyer of the Year in Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. Robert has also co-founded Justice HQ, which is a members-only networking community for plaintiff attorneys, and has a big event coming up called L'Odegra, which is in July. So welcome, Robert.
1: Thank you for having me. And I'd just like to say those three cases that were quote-unquote lost out of the 50 All three were overturned, one on appeal and two with new trial motions. So,
0: well, there you go. You know, I stand to be corrected and I love that. Perfect. I'm glad we got that out of the way. So, um, starting right at the beginning, you know, for people who don't know you, which maybe there's two of them in in this whole community of people that listen, I'm sure everyone else does. I really want to chat about what was your catalyst uh, for getting started in the
1: law? My catalyst for getting started. I'm a young age. I always wanted to be a trial lawyer. I mean, my dad watching Perry Mason all the time. And then, you know, I was 11 or 12. My uncle, it's actually my great uncle. It's my dad's cousin, big Irish family. So he's the youngest of 12. My grandmother was like the oldest of 12. So they were the same age as my dad, but it was his uncle. It's weird, whatever. But he's my great uncle. He was hit by a drunk driver and paralyzed. And I saw you know, him, a laborer and my two cousins that were my age. you know, They're really fighting for his quality of life and they're able to survive as a family, you know, and they ended up settling that case during trial. It was always inspired. Um, just, you know, seeing that fight and how compensating somebody for their injuries is a real thing. And usually it's not enough. And they need a voice for those that can't speak. And I was inspired, loved it, love what I do. I could retire right now if I wanted to, but I love the fight. I love helping people. And it's so much fun.
0: That's so great. And, you know, fast forward to now and, and how you do help people, you do have one of the most successful practices out of California, the Simon Law Group. But I think for a lot of attorneys just going out on their own, especially if they start in the defense, they're a little bit daunt. like it's daunting to be like, I'm going to be running my own business. Mm-hmm. You also are responsible for a ton of people. Like, How hard was this for you to be like, I'm going to start this huge practice and then what do you think? You know, are some of the attributes to keeping it going and it being such a success?
1: So, when I started my practice, it was just me, my little brother, and a copier. We never thought it would be this big, but you know, why not? My dad always told me, "What's the worst thing that could happen? You fail. You go back at work as a lawyer somewhere else. Who gives a crap, right?" Um, but you got to have that entrepreneurial aspect. And now I, I mentor a lot of lawyers and a lot of people that want to go solo or want to start their own firms or have a different quality of life as a lawyer. And, you know, I speak to this all the time. I tell people, what do you want to do and why aren't you striving to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, write on a piece of paper and put on the left, all the shit you hate doing, put on the right, the stuff you like doing and the stuff on the left, you better be outsourced, and the stuff on the right. You better be <laughs> fine all the time. And sometimes it's some people just, I met with somebody today here at justice HQ, downtown LA, and he wants nothing more than to, run a business of law of capturing, capturing leads, but getting them to the right specialists. And he wanted mm-hmm. to use the lawyers that are pre-approved here um, by the members at Justice HQ to, to, work on those cases, to contract it out. And I think it's a genius idea. I think people should stay in their lane of what they love and are passionate about doing and get rid of the rest of the stuff. But you know, when I started my own firm 2010, never thought it would be this big, but had big dreams of just being a very, big well-known trial lawyer. And then it's scaled from there. And I think one thing, if I have one piece of advice to everybody, one, do it. You're never too late to do it. It's never too new to do it. You could do it right out of law school. Um, and just realize you are running a business and there's many, many people that can mentor you on the business side of things, many. Um, and there's a lot, it's a lot easier, less expensive nowadays to run a firm. Truly. Right. So, a lot easier. For sure. Yeah.
0: So what what do you like more, business or the law, or both?
1: You know, if you asked me that question three or four years ago, I would have said I love, love, love the law, trying cases the most, and it's the sexiest thing on the planet. I love it. I now have a four year old. We adopted her We're at birth in twenty seventeen. Just have a freshie that just turned one, and now my answer is, I love the business side. <laughs> <laughs> It is exciting because my my wife's an entrepreneur and has her own you know, skincare line and, and does some other things. I help her with that and she helps me with our stuff. And it's a lot more exciting, you know, and to help, you know, the hundreds of members we have here at Justice HQ succeed in their firms is a lot more rewarding to me than if I were to personally get a big verdict or big result.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's the selflessness people just have to learn as a lawyer. And one of the things I think we survived. So long as a firm is, I have a very selfless attitude with trial lawyers here and and people getting credit. And I'm a big believer of people having opportunity in the courtroom right out of the gate and having a support system around them. I don't, I've seen people go to these big law firms on the defense and they have to wait like seven years to even get in a courtroom, take a deposition. Silly, silly. Right. So,
0: And I've heard that from other guests too, that they, uh, their defense, I guess, friends are like, wow, you're, who like let you in the courtroom? like you're allowed in there and they still haven't been in there all these years later. So it is pretty cool. I mean, it's, you could, you could be in your first year and end up in the courtroom.
1: Yeah. And you know, in our industry and I do personal injury, catastrophic cases, but you're always, I always tell people you're one case away from retirement if you want to, because in California and mm-hmm. most other States you can ethically fee splits. So why not put yourself in a position to get those types of cases and then decide how you would, do you want to do all the work yourself? Do you want to outsource it? Do you want to associate in? Do you want to partner? Why aren't people doing this more? Even in law school, I was hustling my ass off in law school, like working with chiropractors and orthopedic surgeons to, you know, develop my referral funnel. Cause I've never done, you know, according to a lot of people ask me, Oh, you, you guys do so well. You know, what, who do you use for your, your SEO and pay-per-click? Who do you advertise with? And I'm like, zero. (laughs) we do. (laughs) And it shocks people.
0: I'm sure a lot of people right now are like, God damn it. I thought he was going to let it slip who he uses. And you know, it's like you, you're the, you're the person that comes with all this stuff, which I love. Um, so you're the first guest that we've had that actually has a family business. Um, what is it like working with your family and what are some pros and cons that you've had to deal with?
1: I see far more pros than cons. So put in perspective, I, started my law firm solo with me with my little brother and he was not a lawyer yet. And then got so busy. My twin brother, who is a, you know, runs the back manager, genius, very well, right. Very good writer. Um, we formed a partnership. And since that day, my twin brother Brad has done all the business side of the firm. He deals with everything from HR to the tech stuff to integration, runs the litigation teams to make sure they're, they're doing things. Um, doesn't try any cases anymore did early on but doesn't take any depositions it's all just management um then i formed justice hq and now both of my sisters run that company my one sister's the ceo my other sister's the the uh, membership community director her husband rj is the um the operations director of justice hq and then my other sister's husband is does the media pr along with Teresa deep So big family. My mom and dad work for us at my law firm. My dad's new work. My dad's new wife works for us as well. And then one of her children works for us as well. So a lot of family. Um, But the cool thing is, is that when you're together during Thanksgiving or Christmas, you can still talk about law and businesses and it's fun. Um, You know, and you just have to realize, just like in law, I like to compartmentalize people's specialization People are good at different things, even within the family unit. So you have to make sure people are good and complement each other and people stay in their lane. You know, there's been many times where like one of our, even me or one of my brothers or sisters has to mediate between the two of us because we're having some sort of heated argument. But even since we were kids, there were five of us, we'd get in fistfights and then be best friends later that day. It's right. still the same thing. And you can have, <laughs> um, you know, the trial by human moniker, you can have brutal honesty with your family. You could just say it.
0: Right, which is nice, and I'm sure you guys have great Christmas parties as well. So let's talk a little bit about branding. You did mention that, but um, you know, you really are an expert at packaging yourself up in your firm in a very modern way, which is different to you know the old sort of stodgy firms that you see with the brick buildings and all that sort of stuff. You've got this whole like Marvel DC world going on. How did you come up with the idea that that's what you wanted to do?
1: Well, I always wanted to take whatever interests you as a kid and what you're passionate about and what you love to do and and incorporate it with your with your law firm or your business, whatever it is. So if you if you go to any of our Instagram handles, like I'm at Planet Fun Bob, and my farm is at the Simon Law Group, you'll see a lot of Marvel inspired stuff. For me, it's a lot of Marvel, baseball, whiskey, um, laughing a lot. But when we were growing up, my brother and I were always big Marvel fans, comic book fans. My twin brother Brad's an amazing artist. People don't really don't know that, but we we're 13 or 14. He drew all over our bedroom walls, hand drew the most amazing murals of superheroes. And when our parents sold that house, this was in Pittsburgh when we moved, when I moved them out here to um, work at the firm, they ended up selling the house. And The realtor was like, you got to paint over these walls. And we're like, fuck no, we're not painting over this. Right. And the realtor actually told me that the, that, that those walls were like a selling point in the house. Cause they had little, right. Board. And I ended up for some reason, I ended up knowing the person that bought the house and still keep in touch. But they still got those marble walls. Um, but Fast forward now is I have a life-size Hulk in my Hermosa beach office statue. I have a Groot in our San Ana justice HQ. There's actually a marble. They commissioned an artist to surprise my twin brother to do the exact. What he did on our bedroom walls as kids. He did the same artwork as you enter our justice HQ in San. Wow. Anybody ever goes in there. That is what Brad drew is a 14 year old in the summer of 1994 on our walls, recommissioned and put on there. Um, but yeah, why not have fun? You should come in. Like, I love when people come into our office for a deposition. It's not stuffy. People are not wearing suits. The defense lawyer is like, where are we? Like in our office in Hermosa is on the beach. And Grayson's who's been on your podcast. He's got his surfboards in there. We got lockers. He'll go just surf in the middle of the day across the street, come back in. So it's a different, it, like, I like to think this is the lifestyle of law.
0: I wanted to ask though, who is your favorite character? In the Marvel universe,
1: Um, well, I'm actually a fan of a lot of the villains who are misunderstood. Like a big fan Mm -hmm. of Doctor Doom, but my favorite's the Hulk. I like Smart Hulk when they've combined. It was always my my dream was always I want to have an ability like an Fu mentality in my company where I can put a giant Hulk statue up. Um, I had my brother did the Hulk wall for us as kids because for me, so I was always a big Hulk guy.
0: I love that. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about some verdicts now, you know, you've had tons of multi-million-dollar verdicts that you've been lead counsel on. Why do you think you're able to ask for such huge numbers?
1: I'm able to ask for such huge numbers because I believe it. I think if you're not genuine, you don't believe it. It won't. Jurors can sniff if, if, if it's fake. Anybody can, um, and the, I mean, one of the biggest verdicts I had for $17 million, the jury gave every penny that I asked for. And it was you know, still a record verdict for somebody that had a couple of fusions. I do a ton of spine injury cases and not the mm-hmm. paralyzation ones, but just low impact or big impact disc injuries that result to disectomies or fusions. This one was a light impact that they were offering nothing on and. I had a couple of spine fusions. But I love my client. I believed in it. And I went up to this jury and I said, "At the end of this case, I'm going to ask for fifteen million dollars for pain and suffering." Like, how do you feel about that? And just you know, open a powder keg. But I honestly believe that this man, what he went through, he's a single dad. This the the chronic pain he was in and how it transformed his life to being revolved around pain. I, that's what I believed. So we've set the landmark not only that one. What I've done a lot of fusion cases, teach people how to try these spine cases, has moved the barometer on what these values are because. I truly believe that's what it is because I've seen my uncle who was paralyzed, um, different than a fusion case, but just all the struggles people really have. And my mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know this. My twin brother Brad, he is he has rods in his back from T one to L five, so he is metal rods in his back all the way down. And I I see the chronic pain that he's in, and I remember when he had to go through that surgery as a kid and all the stuff he had to go through. And it's just it's it's life transforming, but. To get those verdicts, you got to believe it. And you got to do your research. I read every single deposition in the case that I try. I do all the homework myself. I know it. I believe it. So, Bob, is there a memorable case that sticks out in your mind that you've worked on? I mean, I've done so many. There's so many funny stories we can go on forever. But I'll tell you one just because it's it's so funny. And it, it just reminds you to like, I'm a big fan of working in teams. Every case we try and I like to split it up. I like to give everybody an opportunity to do something. And there's a one very good friend of mine, um, and we try a lot of cases together. He's a very good trial lawyer, and unfortunately, he was diagnosed with early-onset Parkinson's in his mid-30s as young kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, th- 34, 35, he got it. So he couldn't, you know, physically couldn't try these cases. So I've come in and try cases with him, very gifted lawyer, very good in trial, but just, you know, it's just hard for him. Um, but we've tried a bunch up and down the coast, and one we had in Santa Cruz. And his name is Ben Swanson, and he's just the most inspirational person Mm -hmm. to this day. But we were trying this case and just having fun, me, him, and another guy in my office, Tom Conroy, very hard liability case, and we were kicking their butts so bad. It went from a no offer, they started offering us a lot of money, and towards the end of the trial, the defense lawyers are like, hey, can can we talk settlement here? We're like, okay, fine. We're like, meet us at the bar next to the courthouse, we're in Santa Cruz. So we go to this dive bar across the way, and I'm very superstitious. Ex-baseball player, I just have weird superstitions. One of which is not too weird, but I just I don't drink alcohol during trial from the time we start until the bird. Right. Um, try to be clean. Even though outside of there, I do drink a lot, probably every day, more whiskey than I should. But we went to that bar, and it's me, it's me, Ben, and Tom, and we're probably guys in our mid-30s. And these guys come across, they flew in these adjusters from across the country, and they're all these all these old white dudes. It's really funny. So I line up like probably seven shots. I think there were seven of them. So I lined up seven shots of whiskey. These guys come sit down. I said, at fella, listen, fellas. Here's the terms. We'll do a high-low agreement of one and a half million to six million, and you have until you know thirty minutes from now to accept. And by the way, I don't drink during um, during trial. So unless we have that settlement agreement in place today, um, I'm not drinking these. And they go out, they're all like, oh, well, this is, this is unheard of. We can't do that. So they go outside, they do their thing, they come back, and they try to propose new terms. And I'm like, sorry, guys, uh, we're out of here. We'll continue again tomorrow. Ben Swanson, who didn't say a word this whole time, takes up shot by shot and takes one shot, the next shot, the next shot, does seven shots in a row and just looks them in the eyes and says, it ain't my fucking rule. And we just walk out. <laughs> so we put it As soon as we went to the parking lot, we were laughing so hard. I'll never forget that, But the funny two days later, I ended up agreeing, agreeing to those terms, um, which was really funny. But I'll never forget. That it was one of the funniest times that we had. Ugh.
0: I was going to say, it's probably even more funny. I mean, someone who can down seven shots. I'm sure that the time period after that was even more hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, then I, and I were trying to case together on San Bernardino, and he was just eviscerating the defendant truck driver. But, you know, his condition makes him sweat a lot. So he was sweating mm-hmm. a lot. and they, the court, they didn't know that he had you know this condition. So the judge just calls a timeout and he's like, Mr. Swanson, we go to the you know, sidebar. Go, Mr. Swanson, are you okay? He goes, okay, I have Parkinson's. I'm great. Let's keep going. And I was like, oh my God. But he's just, oh, he's so funny. He's just such an inspiration to me. Good dude.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Um, and anyone who can down seven shots as an Aussie, I mean, you get my respect right there because we do pretty good. But even for me, that's that's asking a lot.
1: Just real quick, I went to Oktoberfest one time. And let me tell you, one of the greatest, I mean, events ever, I loved it. Everybody gets excited when the Aussies come around. I mean, they're just like oh, yeah. the champions. I mean, across the world, everybody gets they're like the Aussies, you're like, Aussie, 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 oi, 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 And they just start chugging beers.
0: Right. Awesome. I know we're a little bit out of control and we can, we can put it away. I mean, we call it like uh, drinking fitness. So it's, yeah. So your drinking fitness is your, how you've like worked up your athletic ability to be able to take on a lot more. So there we go world. You can use that. So on the note about trials, you know, a lot of our listeners are young trial attorneys and a lot of their trials are probably coming up now because they've been postponed during COVID. Maybe they're 30 days away from their first ever time stepping foot in the courtroom. Do you have a piece of advice that you could give these young guys and gals that are gearing up to go into battle?
1: Yeah. So I think they should always think tank it. There's get a perspective from people that aren't lawyers. I love focus grouping stuff and don't be, people are sometimes intimidated by the financial cost for it, but a lot of people will do it for free just because they want to be part of the collective just to help understand it. And there's a lot, like I know one company called Steno has partnered with some people that do focus groups. Well they'll do it on a lean or do it on a deferment to give people the advantage, but you have to understand that you're putting on a show for an audience it's for 12 people that are jurors or sometimes it's one judge if it's a bench trial or eight jurors at federal court. So you have to know and understand that audience, right? And use every opportunity you can, whether it's big data scores, whether it's doing the focus group stuff, but see from a different vantage point than other through otherwise through your lawyer lens, right? So I think it's very important to be able to do and lean on people in the industry. You People may or may not be shocked about people will try a case with you for for free for nothing other than experience points just to be part of it. And especially with a lot of people salivating, having not been in trial for 12 to 18 months due to COVID, they just want the opportunity to go in with you. So do it in teams. Don't be intimidated by it. Lean on your support system around you because there are plenty of people that want to help. Trust me.
0: Perfect. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes for everyone that listens. Um, You know, lean on your peers. Speaking of that, you do have a special event coming up this month called La De Gra, which it's spelled La De Gra, everyone, but with my accent, it probably does sound the same. Um, Can you tell everyone listening a little bit more about that event where they can get tickets and what they can expect when they go?
1: Yeah. So La De Gra is an educational, medical, legal Education. We have a lot of doctors on panels with lawyers, and there's concerts at night. So this year we have Flow Rider, and then Nelly. Flow riders I think Friday night Nelly Saturday night, and then Arshamampor, who's a great trial lawyer, is also as a DJ. So he's going to DJ the sessions after those nights. Um, last year or the last time we did it, somebody tried to rush the stage while he was DJing, and it ended up being it was hilarious, but whatever. Uh, but it's high level education. Get your MCLEs. There's one track for spine. There's one for chronic pain, and this year we have a tractic dedicated to business development to branding to systems for i always think it's underappreciated a lot of these conferences that people have to know how to run their business how to do it efficiently how to bring in cases Um, so there's gonna be a whole track dedicated to that to people outside of the law helping lawyers um, better their careers but it's fun it's a it's a young energetic conference they can go to laudegra.com that's law hyphen di dot gra g-r-a-s like mardi gras laudegra or hit me up on social. We're giving away tickets. We're bringing down an airstream for my firm with a whiskey distillery experience. It's going to be hilarious. Um but it's good people there. And we have a we're dedicated to the advancement of of women and minorities that usually don't get opportunities. So this year it's 50/50 panels, no mannels. It's our equal opportunity for men and women and it's going to be great. Um, but it's more importantly to see a lot of people you hang out with and people bring their kids to this event. They're sponsored daycare and things like this events for the kids during the day. So it's a goodie. So it's July 16th and 17th in the, uh, in Carlsbad at the Omni there it's be sick. What do you know now that you wish you knew five to 10 years ago as an attorney? I wish I knew the business system side. The one thing The the silver lining for the great pause, as I like to call it, gave us or gave me was the ability to go back, understand, step back from the trials that aren't going on and the usual grind. I was better able to understand how systems work, how the tech works, how to integrate everything, how to be able to help more people um, on a scale and how to scale other companies that I have and invest in other companies. I was able to get into other legal tech companies during this time because I was able to sit down and actually research it and do it and get more involved. Um, but I think I would have told myself five or 10 years ago how to find a better quality of life rather than grinding so much every day, even though I do love to grind. I think that starts with the ability to understand how to outsource things strategically. Um, that's the A1 there. So. perfect. I also tell Bob 10, five or 10 years ago to, uh, maybe, uh, go to the gym a little more often.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's always time now. We can start again. Um, so here's the chance you get to plug yourself. If people want to co-counsel a case, refer a case to you, maybe work with you, ask you a question, get your whiskey recommendations. How do they reach out to you? Uh,
1: cell phones, 310-866-7497. Email is robert at com. Um, I do a lot of stuff on the social on my Instagram. It's at Planet Fun Bob. i like to have a lot of fun with it. Um, but yeah, like I love doing known for doing the spine cases from soup to nuts. Um I also will show people how to win their case. Just send me your file, I'll tell you where what experts you need, that kind of stuff, and you know where your value lies. But I just love spitballing cases and, and talking about life shit. So hit me up. Don't be shy, but don't call me. Just please text or DM. <laughs>
0: exactly it's like we already get enough what is it extended warranty calls in california as it is we don't need any more random stuff happening but bob thank you so much for coming on this has been great i think this is going to be one of our most favorited episodes yet Um, And for everyone who listens to Settlement Nation, thank you for subscribing. Remember to write and comment. We are top four in legal podcasts now. Wahoo to us. I know, pretty. it's like actually a big deal. Um, So make sure you keep listening and uh, send your comments to Bob. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you if you loved his episode as well. So thank you so much.
1: Thanks. And put another shrimp on the barbie because we have- I
0: will. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye.